Welcome to Spirited Word. By God's Word proclaimed, the Holy Spirit works faith in God's grace in Jesus, when and where He pleases. Sermons by Pastor Adrian Kitson, Lutheran Church of Australia. The reading today comes from 1 John beginning at chapter 3, verse 11, and going through to chapter 4, verse 6. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognise the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us hear you speaking to us today in these words. By the power of your Holy Spirit, always active and wanting to speak and be heard the truth for love and for hope's sake. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated, everyone. Friends, as we've been saying over the last couple of weeks, it's quite difficult, don't you think, to uh, see God at work uh, on some days. 
or maybe a lot of days, or maybe most days. I don't know how you're travelling at the moment. It's quite difficult to see God at work in all that is surrounding you sometimes. It's really hard to believe that God's on the job for you as a person, uh, but also when you hear the news of the world and all the trouble that seems to relentlessly pound our ears as we hear the news and hear the radio and share the stories. Sometimes it's quite difficult to believe that anything's changing, anything's different in me or in the world. To believe that promise that the Holy Spirit is transforming me day by day into the likeness of the Son of God and that at the end, as John said last week, I, you, we will finally get to see him as he really is, full gas, you know, full glory, and be quite shocked to discover what he has made of us to get us to that point. And we're more like him than we ever thought we were. That's what John was saying last week. Hard to believe this, don't you think? Hard to trust this in your day. And John says, of course, that there's a few things that make this a little tricky for us. One is suffering. It's really hard to believe God is transforming me for the good when I'm just actually suffering. And the other one, he goes on a fair bit about, and that reading was sort of about it again, falsity, false teaching, you know, untruth. Those two things make it difficult to trust that God is at work in me, transforming me into the likeness of his son. And that's my future. And it's sure. And it's solid. And this is where I'll end up. But now he sort of makes another hint at something else that also makes it a little tricky to believe that in my suffering and in my, I don't know, various beliefs that I'm not quite sure about or maybe I am sure about or whatever, or that someone else is telling me and I'm just not sure. Uh, there's another thing that makes believing that God's in my day and he's transforming me to become like the best human being that ever lived, the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth. One more thing. Suffering, false teaching, and do not be surprised, my fellow brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Uh, number three. The anti-Messiah world, as we've been calling it. John calls it the Antichrist. I'll settle for anti-Messiah because we can hear it more clearly, I think. This anti-Messiah world in which we live is not neutral. John makes that abundantly clear. It is anti-Messiah. And we, of course, are definitely the Messiah's people, baptised into him. So guess what? The world is anti-us and we shouldn't be surprised. I wonder whether these days over the last how many years? 5, 10, 15? We're probably getting a more direct experience of this reality in our lives than we've ever had in the last 70 years where the church was so privileged and so in sync with the institutions of government and privilege and now, friends, as we know, we're just not. But John relentlessly wants to tell you and convince you and help you see 
that there is God and there is his love. And John is all about God's love, is he not? Active, doing things in me, in you, in this anti-Messiah world. And he says again in this reading in verse 16, where on earth we find this love. This is how we know what love is. Jesus the Messiah laid down his life for us. According to John, that is love. And according to John, you and I have it. We have it no matter what surrounds us. Jesus is the living sign, presence, power, promise of this love in your life. Self-giving, self-sacrificing love. So wherever we see this and experience this love, participate in that kind of love, we know for sure that we are still lavishly, that beautiful word he used just earlier, lavishly loved by a lavishly loving God. And John, I think, you know, if you read his letter on Mass, if you've done that, uh, he wants you to trust this down to your socks. He really does. And now he draws on or he alludes to a really famous Bible line that whatever is happening in the world, the anti-Messiah world, uh, in the church, in your own life today, there are more with us than against us. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is against you. Allusion to 2 Kings 6, 16. These words, if you remember, I don't know whether you know the story, were spoken by the prophet Elisha to his rather troubled, stressed out uh, servant one particular day. Israel, at the particular time of Elisha, was affected by relentless squabbles and skirmishes of a military kind with their very troubling northern neighbour, Syria. The then king of Syria gets wind of the fact that all of his political and military plans are somehow being leaked. There's a leak somewhere because the king of Israel seems to know what's happening before it happens. Finally, he figures out it's the prophet Elisha doing the damage. And it's not because Elisha is a spy, you know, like some Russian spy or some CIA guy, not betraying confidences or being two-faced. Elisha just is in, blessed by God and helped to just find out stuff before it happens from various people. So the king gets pretty steamed up about this, as you would, and he marches his army down to a place called Dothan to track down Elisha and take him captive so the king can get on with his plans and get the job done, unbridled. Anyway, Elisha's servant is uh, doing his usual morning chores, I don't know, sweeping the veranda, taking the ash out of the fireplace. I don't know what he's doing outside. And he comes out of the house and to his great surprise... He sees the whole Syrian army, chariots, horses, and very fierce-looking Syrian soldiers have surrounded the whole place. He's completely surrounded. They must have been very good, hadn't they, to get all that stuff there without them hearing it. Anyway, that's just another point. 
Anyway, he runs back inside to Elisha, as you would, in full panic mode, as you would be, and he says, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Ah, Elisha's answer is that famous line. There are more with us than against us. Don't be afraid. Then Elisha prays that the Lord would open the man's eyes, the young man's eyes, to what the Lord is up to this day. And the lad isn't able to see the reality from God's point of view of what's going on for the day. The mountains in the background are full of horses and chariots of fire. Ah, fully encircling the Syrian force. So, things take a whole different turn after the young man sees the reality from God's point of view, what God is doing in the moment. The Syrian forces are the ones that are surrounded, not Elisha and his servant. How does that go for you today? This is what John is wanting you to hear, I think. Faith, trust, is that means by which we can know and trust that the anti-Messiah world and the anti-Messiah heart still beating in me, unfortunately, and the anti-Messiah himself are actually surrounded and outgunned every day of the week. Now, of course, John's always a realist and he knows that this faith in us is really weak sometimes and it's really hard to believe this could possibly be true in all the suffering we experience or the weird teaching or confusion we feel or the vindictiveness of people who aren't Christians against us. It makes it really hard to believe that they're surrounded and outgunned. We feel surrounded and outgunned by them. John knows this. Like Peter trying to walk on that dark water, it's just so easy to settle for the trouble around us. The impossibility of God's ability. It's so easy to settle for that in life. Nothing can change. Nothing can be different. I've had it. It's overwhelming. It's all downhill from here. Blah, blah, blah. You know how it goes. Of course, false teaching doesn't help. It can really confuse you or just blow you right off course sometimes. John knows, as he said it a few times, everyone who claims to be God's prophet is not actually God's faithful prophet. Where did he, where did he get that from, I wonder? Who told him that? Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. That's Jesus in Matthew 7. Paul backs him up. For such people are not serving our Lord, but their own appetite. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Romans 16. Oh dear, sounds a bit dangerous, doesn't it? So how do you recognise them? Amongst all the voices that you hear every day, how do you recognise what's false and what's true? What is truth? Pontius Pilate asked. Didn't he? That famous question he asked. This is how you can recognise the Spirit of God, says John. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus the Messiah has come in the human flesh is from God. Okay. Okay. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the anti-Messiah, which you have heard is coming and even now is in the world. 
Luther pointed out a couple of weeks ago, you remember, the person who denies Christ in one place denies him everywhere. It's all or nothing. If Jesus is not God, then he must be just another guru or a prophet or a nice bloke or another good man who met a tragic end and failed. Or he was a false prophet, full of deception and lies that need to be dismissed and expunged from the world. C.S. Lewis, you remember his tagline? Jesus is either Lord, lunatic or liar. You know. But as we've said, often false teaching and teachers are really hard to spot. They sound pretty good. True teachers, you know, of life and hope and human improvement. And they can be very good people, I've discovered. You know, humble people who claim to know the world and us and how things can be. Sometimes they even claim they know God more than we. And Paul, when he speaks to them, as we just heard, makes them sound a bit slippery and a bit shifty and a bit malicious. So does John, really, in pretty brutal terms. Sometimes that might be the case. But I don't know about you. I think it's not always like that. A lot of people I've noticed who serve in learning communities and in business and in leadership, but self-help and medicine, well-being, etc., are not shifty or malicious. They're only doing what they know to do, and often with the very best intention, I see. It's just that their belief under whoever they are teaching, whatever they're teaching, is not that Jesus is the Messiah in human flesh and blood, not Saviour, not Lord, and the world's hope. And if Jesus is not those things, friends, then something else has to be or someone else has to be. And that's the lie. That's the falsity that John wants to nail to give you clarity about things. So, John says, if you heard, test the spirits. Okay, and that's where we get that text from. Test the spirits. So that faith and love prosper. But how do you do that? Well, I don't know about you, I think you just listen a lot, don't you? You just listen. It always begins with listening carefully. Listening to this today, carefully. Listening to people speak. What's under what they're saying? People will say what they say, and some of it might be very, very helpful. Whoever they are, Christian or not. Some of it might be very unhelpful, Christian or not. We just need to listen as long as it takes to see where they land on this acknowledgement of Jesus as the Messiah in human flesh and blood for the life of the world. Where do they land on that? And it's amazing, I've found, I don't know if you have, it's amazing if you listen long enough, you can eventually discern quite quickly even the most learned, humblest and well-meaning person does not proclaim this Jesus, does not acknowledge this Jesus, Saviour, Lord, in flesh and blood, for hope and love and life. And it's then, friends, that we part company, we part way at least, or maybe we should say we just switch modes. Don't you think? 
It's clear, if it's clear that a person does not share the truth of Jesus, does not acknowledge Jesus as we know him to be, we don't need to discount everything they say because it might be quite helpful in some ways. It just means that now we know where we stand and we can slip into the other mode of bearing witness with respect and gentleness. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, says Peter in his first letter. Of course, I know there are very harsh people around, are there not? And there are people around, I've discovered, and you have too, that are un- unashamedly anti- anti-Messiah, and they don't mind you knowing. In fact, they want you to know <laughs> that they're anti-Messiah. And you should be too, by the way. And sometimes this comes with a lot of cynicism, or anger, or bitterness, or vitriol. Well, friends, John is completely unsurprised. And he says, I think, you should be completely unsurprised too. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. I think it's then we cling to some more beautiful words that he says just after that. You... Dear children of God, are from God and have overcome all of that because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the anti-Messiah world. So friends, can you take that away today for you in whatever's surrounding you at the moment? The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the anti-Messiah world. It may look and feel like you're surrounded by a thousand angry Syrian soldiers, but faith says that they're the ones who are actually surrounded, not you. Faith in this Jesus, who took all the soldiers could throw at him, you remember, all the vitriol they hurled at him, all the shaming and the naming and dismissing to its bitter end, he's the one who rose in glorious light as victor in this continuing battle. And he did it all, he says, for love. And because of that victory, love this bit, you do not have to let your heart blame you when you find it hard to see what God is doing in your day through all that's going on. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. In other words, if you lack good behaviour, good words, good attitude, loving attitude, with all that's surrounding you making it difficult for you, false teaching, suffering, you know, dislike, you do not lack faith. In that same day, faith and hope that come from the truth of Jesus are greater than your lack of them every day. Now, Luther, he loves this. Even if our conscience makes us faint-hearted and presents God as angry with us, still, God is greater than our heart. Conscience is one drop. The reconciliation of God is a great sea of comfort. 
The fear of conscience or despair must be overcome, even though it's difficult. It is a great and exceedingly sweet promise that if our heart blames us, God is greater than our heart. He knows everything. So friends, today, for you, however today is, God's love in the Lord Jesus Christ is greater than your lack. He knows, he knows, he knows. And he loves. Maybe today, enjoy his sea of comfort in whatever battle you're surrounded by. In the name of Christ, amen. And the chariots of fire uh, of God, the peace of God, the love of God, the hope of God surround you this day. In the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Pastor Adrian serves at St. Petri Lutheran Church, New York, Barossa Valley, South Australia. St. Petri.org.au